today, really, we're titling the message Religion in Me. Religion in Me, or in other words, we say religion in the church, religion in me, religion in my family. And, you know, as I was thinking about this message here just a second ago, I realized that, you know, this is really a cultural message. It's a message about the culture of the church or the culture that Jesus wants to have in the church. And, and as I was worshiping, I realized, and the scripture came to my memory, that God disciplines those he loves. Correction can become very, very positive for you as an individual. And I'm learning that, right? I'm almost 40. It's like you think you got it right, but you don't have it right, right? But I'm learning <clears throat> that correction from the Lord is very, very positive in my life. As a matter of fact, it's so positive that it breeds faith and it breeds stability in my personal life to realize that God loves me so much, he won't leave me alone. He won't leave me where I'm at, and sometimes God just nudges you. We call that conviction. God just begins to nudge you and correct you and discipline you just by saying, you know, that's not right. That's not right the way your attitude is. That's not right the way the culture is in your life. And sometimes you, you, you're convicted and you, and you know it in your heart. You say, I know it's not right. <clears throat> you're right, Lord. And actually that can catapult your faith. That can cause you to move into a place of joy and not depression. Let me help you out here, church. When God disciplines you, when God corrects you, it should move you to a place of joy, not of sadness a place of freedom, not of, of burden, right? Not, not of restraint. The correction of the Lord brings power into your life as an individual. So when the Lord is nudging me, and he'll do that from time to time or hour to hour, from day to day, from week to week, and it might be in a place where you're at every day, whether it's where you're shaving in the mirror, whether you're doing your makeup as a lady, whether you're on your way to work, God has a way in those moments, if we're open, right? If our heart is open and willing to hear from God, he'll nudge us and it could build our faith. And so I believe God wants to nudge us in this area. I wanna define religion for you. Religion is man's attempt to harness God for their own purpose, gain, and power. You say, well, that's not me, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do. We can subconsciously or accidentally try to fit or reduce God into our tiny little box. We can, and it can happen subtly within a church. It can happen subtly within an individual. And it's like a seed that would wanna grow into some full, floor, full force religion that is really anti-God, right? It's anti-Christ in a sense. It's not the way Jesus wants it. And it can creep into your life. It's where we have lip service, but no power. It's where there's a noise, but no impact. And so we need the Holy Spirit to nudge us, first of all, as an individual in the church. Let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to nudge us because it's a complicated message it is. It can be controversial, and so we just wanna ask the Lord to do something here in our life and in the church life. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. We're praying, God, that you would nudge us. God, we take that as very positive. 
very life-giving, very promising, and full of faith so that we can be more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I see about religion is religion wants it fair. Religion wants it fair, and we're going to look into the teachings of Jesus and kind of see how he opposes religion in his context over 2,000 years ago. Religion was one of the biggest enemies of Jesus to, to, to start with. His major opposition was religion. Just study the life of Christ. You'll see it over and over again, confrontation after confrontation. Matthew chapter 20, he's telling a story. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed, I want you to remember that word assumed, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only an hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them and said, friend, haven't, haven't, I haven't been unfair, right? I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. Go on home. Read some books, right? Get back to the house. There's your money, man. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as I paid you. Verse 15, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. God's economy is different than man's economy, and man's economy can creep into the church. Man's economy can creep into an individual's life. And so we have to look at this thing a little bit closer. What Jesus was saying is, I'm able to diversify my blessings. I'm able to diversify my gifts. I'm able to give wages to whom I wanna give wages to. Who are you to tell me how I'm gonna do that? Religion, again, tries to harness God for their own gain and their own power, and we can do that because we're human. Welcome to church. You're human. You're human. What I love about the Bible is I see human after human after human wrestle with the things of God, which gives me hope when I'm wrestling. Come on now. I'm wrestling right now, huh? I just happen to be speaking, but I'm wrestling, huh? Religion is presumptuous and critical. It says they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. We can become presumptuous. We can become critical. They assumed they would receive more. Pride a lot of times is found within a religious person. Pride. Pride. Now you can look a little deeper into this story. It was Israel and the, the Jews versus the Gentiles. And God said, even though you served me from generation after generation after generation, and all of my promises were yes and amen to you, you are my special people, my chosen people, the apple of my eye. I'm doing something new and I'm going to graft in the Gentile. I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You're not going to be that excited about it, but I'm very excited about it. 
and I'm opening up the kingdom, even though you want to close the door of the kingdom, and I'm grafting in the Gentile, I'm grafting in the heathen, I'm grafting in the cursed one into the tree of life. His name is Jesus. And now all of my promises are yes and amen for the Gentile as is it is for the Jew. He said, hold up a second. Am I not able to diversify my promises to mankind? Are you going to get in my way? A little bit deeper for you. God is just. We sing the song when I don't understand. God is just. God wanted to teach the children of Israel a lesson about grace. God wants to teach us a lesson about grace. We've been grafted in. Make sure you're not standing at the doorway, tripping people coming in. Religion can cause you to fall into the trap of comparison and cause you to believe that you deserve more from God, perhaps by the years of sacrifice or the years of your service in the body of Christ. Here in the 21st century on the side of O'Neill Road in a church called Northwood. That's right. It can happen. And we call, this is a resistance to the lost coming in. See, there was a strife beginning to develop between the Gentiles and the Jews or God's people when Jesus brought something new on the scene. And God will do the same today. God's doing something new. He never changes, but generations change, and he's doing something new from generation to generation because God is a now God. His promises never change. His methods do. And there was strife developing. See, strife is a hallmark or a symptom of religion. Strife. Strife within the church. We can reject who Jesus is today for people. On accident. Remember, on accident. A lot of us, look, let me tell you something about people, about myself and about everybody else. Most people. Most people do not sit at home and premeditate how they're gonna reject Jesus to other people. They don't. It, it's subtle. It begins to creep in, like I was saying. That's why we're praying. That's why we're preaching. That's why we're, 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 we're looking at the word of God to say, God, is religion in me? Is there any trace of religion in the church? Which, by the way, God has to continually sweep his house. Just because we sweep the house today, look, I don't know about you, but... Uh, Roaches come around crumbs on the ground. And the reason I take the garbage out over and over and over and over again when my wife calls it OCD, I call it uh, better than raid, baby. <laughs> it's not OCD, it's OCG, obsessive compulsive gift. Now, let me get on my high horse for a second. <laughs> if we keep the garbage out, it's gonna keep the rodents away. There is no smell of garbage in my house. <laughs> So even though God might be wanting to sweep his house today, even though God might be wanting to sweep your life today, guess what? The law of human metric states, there'll be more crumbs coming. So like a sweeped house, like the sound of a broom, like the, like the dust of the cloud in the dustpan a little bit, okay? Come on now. 
We need it in the church. The next thing I see is that religion wants you perfect. Religion wants you perfect. Now, I know it sounds ludicrous, but it's true. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. As Jesus and the disciples left the towns of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. My God, I mean, people are asking to have mercy on me, Jesus. Listen to what happens, verse 31. Be quiet, the crowd yelled. The word crowd equals religion. Be quiet. No mercy? Be quiet. No healing? Yep. Religion will tell people crying out to Christ, broken, smell bad, hurt, disease, sin, terrible. Religion will say, no, no, be quiet. Grace says, cry out even louder, right? But they shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, by the way, Jesus hears the cry, right? Religion sees the filth. Jesus hears the cry, religion sees the filth. What do you want me to do? Lord, they said, we want to see. Heal us. Heal us, God. Jesus felt sorry for them. And another translation felt sorry. Jesus had compassion on him. Touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. The trajectory of their life changed when they had an experience with Jesus. It wasn't about the filth. It wasn't about the sin. It wasn't about the curse. It was about them shouting out and crying out for a savior, beating their hearts saying, God, I need you. That means they cried out out louder than their sin. They cried out louder than the place that they were at. They, They cried out louder than their mistakes and their shame. And Jesus didn't talk about that stuff. He said he heard them and had compassion on them. See, religion hears and sees differently. It says that you have to be perfect or something other than what you are to come to Jesus boldly. The epitome of a religion. And for those of you who are well rehearsed or rehearsed or grooved in the word of God, you say, that's not me. God has a way, and I don't know what it is right now, I'm just slipping a little bit deeper into your theology and saying, I want to make a tweak. It's a deceptive tool that the enemy will use to keep people out. But guess what? Jesus came for the hurting. Jesus came for the hurting. Some of you came into church and, you know, Pastor Jordan prayed it at the end of worship, and I had it in my notes, man. Some of you came to church today, and maybe you're in a religious environment, and you're just having to try something new. Some of you were invited to church. It doesn't matter how you got here today. So some of you are going to move from depression to joy because you're going to have an experience with Jesus. You have an experience with Jesus right now. Some of you are going to move from fear to faith. Come on now. From depression to joy, from fear to faith, from curse to the blessing. All you have to be is like these individuals, these individuals who were hurting in sin, which by the way is all of the world. Some people are shameful that they have sin in their life. No, 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 no. 
What I have said in my life, I'm grateful, not shameful, that I have an advocate with the Father. His name's Christ Jesus, and he can transform my heart, and he can change me from where I am today to where I'm going tomorrow. That's why I can boldly come into the house of God. That's why I boldly can come into the presence of God in time of need. So take off your church mask. Come on, somebody. Take off your Sunday's best. Realize you're just a human in the seat and you can cry out for Jesus and not worry about what the crowd thinks behind you or on the side of you. That's why people struggle to come up here in the front of the room to get prayer because they're shameful, because they think the crowd around them is gonna say something. But Jesus said, cry out even louder, come up here to get prayer, press into the presence of God boldly, knowing that you will receive help in your time of need. It's not about what somebody thinks about you. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter what your title is or what your political move is. It makes no difference. Take off the mask. Take off the mask. This is the type of church we want. We don't want to play church, folks. We ain't playing church. Next thing I see is religion challenges change. Religion challenges change. Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, when Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and the elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? Man, he was just helping people. You gotta understand this. The religion is so blind that all religion thinks about is their prestige, their power, their place of authority, and the incentives that come with that. They weren't interested in the hurting people. They were so self-absorbed, they were interested in the incentives that they got in vain, by the way, and were eating off of, that it blinded them to such a great place, they couldn't even see the light of the glorious gospel that was reaching people. Verse 24, I love Jesus. I tell you by what authority I do these things, if you answer one question. Jesus was the master of questions, by the way. <laughs> it, he knew that if he asked the right questions, they would almost answer their own selves and they would be <clears throat> stumped. He stumped them, man. He said, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? John the Baptist, he was pointing them back to the scripture that they so excellently studied. He was pointing them back to Bible prophecy and saying, hold up a second, was this a fulfillment of prophecy or was it just a man? Come on, let, we're yet, we're yet Bible thumpers. He's like, we're yet, you got a big fat phylactery on your head, you can memorize scripture, we're yet. Yeah, I think Jesus had a little passion. That's just me. I, I view Jesus through my personality type. <laughs> Some of you are like, 
Oh, did you not look into the scriptures? I don't know, man. Look, hey. God, God, God will show us a replay maybe, right? He said, what authority was it human? They talked it over among themselves. They began to grumble. <laughs> they were stomped. If we say it was for heaven, he will ask, why didn't we believe John then? <laughs> he said, basically, I'm from heaven. <laughs> I'm the bread of life right here, boys. Religion was always trying to trap Jesus from moving forward to progression to change. Religion is rooted in fear. It's fear. They were fearful that they would lose everything that they gained, but they didn't see the gospel because everything they gained is going to be a loss anyway. Wow. You can have the whole world but die, right? They were afraid. Fear. Fear stifles faith and forward progress. Fear will stifle faith in a church, in an organization, and in an individual's life and stifle progress and blind you and paralyze you. Religion will paralyze you because it's routed in fear. It's rooted in fear. It'll paralyze you. It'll cause you to have guilt and condemnation even when trying to move forward. This is an amazing thing about religion. It'll blind you to what God is wanting to do. And then when you start doing what God's wanting to do, do, you to do, but it's a little different than what you might have experienced before, even though you're doing what God wanted you to do, religion still tries to creep in and put that claw on the back of your neck and just let that claw touch your neck and say, you really shouldn't do this. I don't know if this is God. I, I just, I just, I'm not sure. And guilt and condemnation. And when you feel those symptoms, realize that you're on the right path, most likely. There's a new tactic for you. But let me help you and balance that out. Make sure when you verify I'm on the right path that the word of God says it as well. <laughs> You'll fool yourself too. Mm. Religion says there's only one method and it's this method. There's only one style and it's my style. You know anybody like that? There's only one way of thinking. And guess what? That way of thinking is God's way of thinking, by the way. Got it all figured out. Jesus was pointing them back to the word, guys, because what they did is they proclaimed that their way, they cloaked their methodology, they cloaked their theology, they cloaked their way of, uh, of running the church, both politically and spiritually. They cloaked it all into this is what God wants for you. But it wasn't at all what God wanted. We can cloak God again into our tiny little box. Tiny little box. So there's tragedies of religion, folks. I will say this, one of our core values, which by the way, we have core values that's close to our heart, but we still have to fight for the core values. We have to remind ourselves that we're radical that we will unapologetically progress in the way that we do church in order to reach people for Jesus, period. But there's tragedies in religion. Religion teaches about God but doesn't know God. You can rehearse the scripture. You can give a religious answer to every question that is asked to you. It's just a religious rhetoric, I call it. 
It's, it's lip service with no power. You see Matthew chapter 23, verse one, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So they practice, uh, so, so practice and obey what they tell you, but do not follow their example for they do not practice what they teach. They crush people with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. That's why when Jesus caught the woman in adultery, which by the way, some theologians say some of the religious scholars were the one committing adultery with them, with her, a prostitute. And he said, hey guys, you're about to stone her because the law says stone her, but I'll tell you what, everybody grab a rock and then those who do have, have no sin, go ahead and cast the first stone and they all fell back. Fall back toddler, that's what they did. Fall back, fall back and they all went away. Religion. Lip service with no power. How about this? Head knowledge without true repentance. True repentance leads to heart transformation. Head knowledge leads nowhere. Now, I can know about God, but I don't really know God. I can have the religious answer. I can give the religious scripture. But there is no true repentance in the heart of a man because when there's repentance in the heart of the man or the woman, it leads to a life transformation versus just some religious rhetoric. Well, let me tell you something. It's a trap, by the way, it's a trap. This is a trap, right? This is a trap in the church, it's a trap. Falling into the trap about knowing God without knowing God intimately, head knowledge without intimacy. Tragedies of religion. Religion substitute fake for the real, it's, it's a substitution. Religion is a substitution, it's a conscience soother. It's not being transformed in the image of Jesus as a conscience soother, right? My old church syndrome, I've gone to church, I feel good. I look good in society, I did the right thing. It's a conscience soother without a transformation in the image of Jesus. It can happen in every church, by the way. That church is just so religious. They got choir robes on. but we got it all together. We're dancing and shaking over here, man. Electric guitar, woo! Right? That's why the Bible says, judge yourself, let you be judged. Mm. All right, it's getting, it's getting thick, I know. Religion substitutes the fake for the real. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You cross the land and sea to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell than you are yourselves. Converts of hell, that'd be a good church name, huh? We're gonna get a lot of people in this church. We're changing the church name. Now we got to look, by the way, guys, look, just to let you know, we believe we have a good church as a staff, but we also believe that God's not finished with this church. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So not beating the church up for those sensitive in the personality types. We got any men in the house today? Oh yeah, oh yeah, all right, yeah. Blood to my veins. 
Watch this, substituting the fake for the real looks like this. Behavior modification versus Christ-centered transformation. Mm. That's a hashtag. Behavior modification versus Christ-centered transformation equals religion. Starting to smell bad, folks? Religion starting to smell bad yet? I'm part of a church versus I am the church. How about this is a tough scripture, we won't expound on it. Many will say on the day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that in your name? And he'll say, uh, I never knew you. Oh. So what should that do when we hear that? Oh my God, who's, who's gonna be saved, is it me? Good place to start. Sometimes we try to cushion that. I think it's a real good place to start. My God, am I saying, Lord, Lord, and, and, and when I get to the day of the wedding feast, is he gonna say, Casey, I never knew you. That's a good place to be, to say, hold up a second. Let me be sure of my salvation. Let me be sure my heart is right with God. Come on now. Let me be sure I'm going in the right place. We ain't gonna soften this up, folks. Come on. Religion. Substitutes the fake for the real, the result is hypocrisy. Religion majors on the minors. And we can go all day. Religion majors on the minors is what the Pharisees were doing. He always said, Matthew chapter 23, verse 16, blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? Now that's a wonderful message. And you say, did Jesus say that? Yes, he said, blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? That's a life-giving message. Depends on what your perspective is. Because if I'm over here and he says, blind guys, what sorrow awaits you, I'm gonna say I'm on the wrong side. (laughs) 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 Did you know that what the word repentance means is I'm going this direction and all of a sudden I make a 180? Majors on the minors, blind guides, what sorrows await you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold the sacrifice? Sounds like they were money hungry. And you say that they swear by the altar is not binding, but you swear by the gifts on the altar that is binding. How blind? Man, look, it's just majoring on the minors. Personal non-essential convictions become outward judgments to those who do not participate with you. It produces quarrels in the church, by the way. Religion majoring on the minor will produce quarrels in the church, things like politics. Not gonna expound. We're gonna take a moment of silence. (laughs) No, seriously, let's get quiet. (laughs) Things like I love Jesus. You know why? Because guess what? Politics was going on in Jesus' time. Guess what? They were always trying to trap Jesus with some political saying or being politically correct or politics or whose money belongs to Caesars or who's this and who's that and who's this and who Jesus said, hold up a second. (laughs) Politics is the, the... But let me tell you something. In the church, religion can creep in, majoring on the minor, and producing quarrels, arguments, strife 
in the church, things like politics, things like eschatology and Bible prophecy, things like demonology, things like charismatic gifts, things like Bible versions and personal standards and etc. We like diversity in our church, by the way. You might be on this, you might be on that. Have your personal opinion, praise God for it. I hate a clone. If we had a bunch of people that look like me, we're doomed. <laughs> or preach like me, we're all doomed. <laughs> Listen to this though. This is huge. This is huge. Diversity that is quarrelsome is not NC's culture. So keep your mouth shut <laughs> and go home and have your opinion. But wisdom and Christ-like character and a softness to God's heart and his church, and might I add the main theme of our existence, should trump your personal opinion. Still have your opinion though. I got plenty of them. And I like my own opinions. How many don't like your own opinions? <laughs> I like my opinions. But not to the expense that I'm gonna cause strife with you. And you, and you, and you. That is not a part of our culture here. Now, are you with me? Is that the culture you want? Well, let's give it up for Jesus. We fight, by the way, another man word. We fight, and by the way, we love women in this church. I just wanna say that because now I'm gonna sound like a male chauvinist. <laughs> I got a wife and a daughter right here and I will fight for them and I'll cherish them. How about you? That's the way we think about our women here, by the way. That's why we protect this church. That's why we will actually talk to people who are weirding people out Stalking the ladies at the guest services. Is that somebody in here? Looks like I got about 100 men on my side. Quarrelsome. We're not going to have it. Religion looks good on the outside, right? Looks good on the outside. Like I was telling you, Sunday's best, Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Outward behavior change, again, cannot trump inward renewal of the heart that's regenerated by the Spirit. This is real, folks. Out of the heart will flow every issue of your life. Man will always see the outward, but God sees the inward. Our prayer should be, God, search our heart. The, our prayer, my prayer, always is God search my heart. Even if I'm not completely over a heart issue, I can still recognize it and can still pray, God, continue to search my heart. I recognize it, and it's gonna be a matter of time before it's gone, because I'm participating with you. Our prayer should be search our hearts. The purity of our heart or the purity of our church trumps everything. 
It trumps everything. Is my heart right with God through Jesus Christ? That's what we wanna find out right now. Is our church right with you, Jesus? Is the people in here right with you, Jesus? So I, I wanna just take a moment and get along with God. Bow your head, close your eyes, whatever you wanna do, get along with God. Because there's, there, there, there's a couple different types of people in the room today, obviously, right? There are the people who are like the blind men crying out to Jesus, have mercy on me. Separated from God, haven't had a real experience with their savior, his name is Jesus. Maybe a little bit of religion, right? Maybe a little Bible at the house, I don't know. Maybe know a little bit about the Bible, but, but you're like the blind man that says, have mercy on me, maybe never been to a church, maybe never heard the gospel preached like this, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is your first time here. It doesn't matter. Holy Spirit right now is working on you. So you're, you're, you're separated from God. And today is your day to be reunited or to be grafted in or to join the people of God. And the way that that's done is by the cross of Calvary. The cross is the, is the great bridge. The sacrifice of Jesus is the great bridge that bridges you and me to the promises of God, to, to, the, to, to be in eternity with God. His name is Jesus. There's one God, one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus, and all those who call upon his name shall be saved, saved from eternal damnation, saved from the curse, saved, saved from the blindness, saved from religion, right? So some of you are in that place right now and God's putting his finger on your heart. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. You're gonna agree with me in that prayer and God's gonna meet you right where you are. Then we're gonna pray for us as a church. So right now, here's what I want you to do. If you say, that's me, I'm separated from God. I need Jesus, I know I do. I want you to lift your hand, put it right back down. Say, that's me, put it right back down. See your hand. Ma'am, I see your hand, ma'am, your hand. See your hand back there. Yes, ma'am, raise it up boldly. Yep, I see it, I need Jesus. I need Jesus, anybody else? Yep, I see your hand, ma'am, I see your hand. I see your hand right there, I need Jesus. Young and old alike, doesn't matter who you are. It's not about your neighbor. It's not about, can somebody see me? Raise my hand. I need Jesus. Anybody else? I need Jesus. Say, Casey, what if I didn't raise you? Yeah, see your hand right there. Yep, right there. See it? Yes, I see your hand, ma'am. I need Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes, sir. Uh-huh, right there. Yep, raise both hands. I see him. Yes, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pray a prayer. Well, if I didn't raise my hand, Casey, so what? You need Jesus, God sees your heart. You're just gonna say, God, forgive me. Right, God, forgive me. That's right. Don't think about your imperfections, don't think about your sin. God's pure, he's holy, he's high above that. God, forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. For me, my sin, my, me missing the mark. Hey, I need Jesus. The only one way his name's Jesus. You can't earn your way, you can't buy your way, you can't perfect your way into a relationship with God, you surrender. 
Right now, we surrender to Jesus. You're surrendering to Jesus. This is your prayer right here. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. That's what you're praying right now. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. You don't have to understand it. Praying with your heart by faith. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. Take my life at yours. I surrender in Jesus' name. Now praying for the church. Those of you who are Christ followers, there's perpetual lifestyle of repentance. There's perpetual change. God said, I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. I wanna put my iron on you because I love you. I don't wanna leave you alone because I love you. I care about you. My plan for your life is greater than your own plan. My power and my word will cut through deception. I love you and I care for you. Some of you are being nudged right now in this area of religion and lip service and the whole nine yards. I don't know, God knows, God knows. Ah, it feels good, Lord, conviction feels good. So embrace it. Thank you, Father. It's good. It's liberating when we cooperate with God. It, it, it lightens the load, actually. It doesn't actually increase the load. It lightens the load. So wherever you are right now, you're repenting before your God. You're saying, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It doesn't matter about my victories of yesterday. It doesn't matter about my lifestyle of yesterday. It's right now. God is the God of today. Today, right this second, in a moment of time, God can do something in the heart of man and woman. That's right, Jesus. Lord, help us. It's a good prayer. Lord, help us. Help us change. Like God will call us to change but he doesn't just call us to change. His grace enables the change. That's why we are spirit-filled. We move with power. It's the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to change. It's very important to know that. It's the Holy Spirit in you that enables you to change. We receive it, God. We agree with it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Michigan. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.